AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and I have a secret brother. We're letting him out of the basement to be my guest today because we're going to talk about animal siblings. The sibling bond is strong in nature, for better or for worse. From siblicide to an army of cooperative carnivorous siblings, we're going to see if any of these animals capture our very own sibling dynamic. From baby sharks to millipedes, conga lines, and parasite thunderdomes, we're going to finally answer the age-old question, Mom, he's on my side. Can you tell him to stop? Joining today is brother of the podcast and myself, my brother, Aaron Golden. Hey. Hi. How's it going? I am doing well. How are you? Good, good, good. It's been a while since we talked. I think we talked like two hours ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. It's, yeah. it's been rough. It's been a rough two hours. But it's been rough, yeah. How would you describe our dynamic in front of a nationwide audience? Oh, yeah. Not on the spot at all. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a... Uh, I, 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 feel very lucky to have a sister like you Aww. not to not to get too cornball but uh, cornball is my default did i tell you we're live in front of like five billion people right now <laughs> uh 
<laughs> yeah, like eighty percent of the world's population. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we are very lucky. We didn't really fight that much growing up. All of our fights were pretty minor, you know, tickle fights, me attacking you with a badminton bat. So, you know, not really anything too <laughs> serious. I do think it's interesting because both for humans and in the natural world, you know, sibling relationships, they can be very different. They can range from being really kind and nice and getting along together to, you know, straight up siblicide. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I do have a whole section on siblicide uh, in animals. I think that um, I, can, I can handle it. I think yeah. I can control my imagination here. and That's good. I'm not too worried. We should probably set up, I am the younger sister... You are the older brother. Mm-hmm. We are separated by two years of blessed silence that you had before I entered the scene and <laughs> started making a, causing a ruckus. Well, yeah, apparently you were the loud baby. Like I, I was, yes. in fact, the quiet, quiet infant. Yes, and you quiet the... and calm. I understood that in order to assert myself I had to cry a lot in order to remind everyone that I exist I too need resources that's set up my whole career right like this is me me on the podcast (laughs) is just me demanding people recognize I exist like hey you can hear my voice right give me resources and tell tell me you love me (laughs) sure yeah I mean nothing ever really changes right it's uh... no yeah, yeah, it really doesn't. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm real excited to have you on the podcast to talk about animal siblings. I feel like this will this will lead to some fun story. Like we'll be talking about sharks, and then we'll talk about like, hey, remember that time? You know, that time that those other two siblings we had ate each other, and oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that we don't was, remember them hilarious. too well because when we were young. But yeah, that's yeah. that was a those were good times when yeah there was a yeah, feeding frenzy. Well, speaking of siblings destroying each other, killing each other, devouring each other while inside the womb, all you know, great topics. Uh, we're gonna talk about intrauterine cannibalism. That's cannibalism coming to a womb near you. So that is when babies inside the womb eat each other now there is a myth that human babies do this sometimes that you will eat your sibling this or like a twin like oh i ate my twin um that doesn't actually happen in humans usually what happens is like if you have twins and one of the embryos dies it just gets reabsorbed into the uterus it's not like one twin doesn't eat the other it doesn't seem like embryos or you know early development humans have a mouth or digestive system even (laughs) capable of that right i'm not exactly sure how the mechanics of that would play out right how do you even believe that myth like when you think about it for a second i mean i guess i can imagine just a little fetus with those little teeny tiny hands grabbing on and then just sort of you know slowly like (laughs) a corn cob but that is not that doesn't really nibbling, happen. But it does. It, to death. Yeah. <laughs> it does happen with other animals, including the baby sand tiger shark. So, sand tiger sharks, as adults, 
are quite big. They can grow to be over 10 feet long, which is three meters. They have sharp teeth, pointy snouts. They range from grayish brown to gray in coloration, and they're very fierce looking. Despite being so frightening looking, they're actually pretty non-aggressive, especially towards humans. There have been no cases of human fatalities with these sharks. So yeah, pretty pretty shy, non-murdery sharks. Not to say that they aren't cold-blooded murderers when it comes to their own flesh and blood. So these are sharks that give live birth and inside of the female shark's uterus, there is something of a baby shark thunderdome. So she will have multiple embryos, but typically only gives birth to one or two out of like a dozen embryos. And that is because the victors eat all of their siblings. And I've shared with you a photo of one of these embryos. And you were mentioning earlier, like, oh, well, baby humans, like they don't really have much of a mouth. They don't have like teeth. Like how would they eat each other? Well, yeah, look, looking at these, this photo <laughs> is... That is a very, very mouthy uh, <laughs> fetus right there. Yes, it has teeth and quite a large mouth, all, all for eating its brothers and sisters all up. And so that way it can get big and strong. And it's just like, it, it, it is so bizarre. You know, if you imagine like you get an ultrasound and you have like 12 embryos in there and then a week later there's 10 and then a week later there's five and mm -hmm. but two of them are getting bigger and stronger looking all the time it's like huh i wonder oh now they're only three and now they're only two my question then about this is are the eggs all fertilized at the same time like is there a a first mover advantage right <laughs> in 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 the womb because mm -hmm. i imagine you know, if they're all growing at the same, at exactly the same time, then it is right. truly like a survival of the of the most uh, murderous, I suppose. <laughs> but I don't actually know. That's a very good question, and it's actually very interesting because the female sand tiger shark will mate with multiple males. So siblings may not even have the same father. Ah. And that's a big explanation for why there's so much siblicide. Because they're, if they're only half related and they are competing with each other, basically it is a way for sharks to have sort of a selective pressure before the shark is even born. So the female shark actually doesn't have, even though she has like, can have 12 embryos developing in her <laughs> right. uterus. She doesn't actually have that much yolk and nutrition to feed that many embryos. So it's necessary for them to eat each other. Oh, wow. So it's like, yeah, they're, it's truly brutal because yes. they have to do it if they're yes. going to survive. And what this does is it not only means that she doesn't have to give a bunch of resources to like 12 embryos, some of whom may come out and not be fit and be killed off by another animal that has none of her genes. So like why, why give that nutrition to some strange animal that has nothing to do with your genetic uh, lineage? Uh, it is, it creates like basically, okay, already at this point, the point before you're even born, we are having 
evolutionary pressure for only the fittest to emerge from the womb. Right, and it's, it's just brutally efficient. Yes, and that way the female shark can mate with multiple male sharks and basically it's similar to sperm competition at the level of, you know, the strongest sperm will fertilize the egg. In this case, it's just a step up where it's the strongest embryos will emerge. And, right, and that's, and that's going to be more effective because it actually has at least some correlation to the the baby shark's ability to survive. I mean, that's... Yes. That's um, yes, and you're cold. giving all. It's, it's some cold logic, cold nature <laughs> logic, right there. Right. Can you imagine though, if our parents had just been given us like a <laughs> pair of swords and sent us into like this little coliseum, like, all right, fight it out, whoever wins gets dinner. Yeah. Again, uh, but then again, it's just imagining human babies, these little clumsy, little fat little balls of physical ineptitude is yeah. Um, is comical. Yeah, yeah I don't want to like helm. you give them a little helm and sword yeah. and shield. And yeah, a little just shield. Go, you know, uh, kind of falling over. I, I don't want to keep bringing this up because it's been almost uh, like like almost thirty years. But you did drop a can of soup on my head. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so. true. I did drop a can of soup on your head. I admit it. I think I was four, you were two. I think that okay, was about... Okay, that makes sense. You were juggling some cans of soup, as you, as you do, because yeah, you were like... you know... We was... were cartoonishly Dickensian children juggling cans of soup. Yeah, no, we, we didn't have anything fancy like balls, so it was right. the cans of beans that we had to... <laughs> we had to play with cans of beans. Yeah, you remember old can of beans soccer yeah, and can I of beans... Yeah, I had a doll called garbanzo yeah garbanzo the doll can of beans yeah um we had a very can of beans based uh upbringing <laughs> no uh, we didn't we i feel like i have to say i so, have to okay make, all right say that we had a wonderful childhood other than <laughs> other than you dropping soup on my head accident quote allegedly quote unquote accidentally it, it was indeed an accident yeah. i did not mean to drop the can on your head in fact in fact as dumb as I was as a four-year-old, I was just juggling the can. And if, mm -hmm. and if I recall, which I probably don't because I was four, hmm. you crawled up underneath me. No, that's true. I was while trying to do some... I was juggling. So, yeah. you know, I wasn't, this wasn't a case of reckless endangerment here. I, right. I was minding my own can juggling business. Yeah, I was I was stunting a little bit. I was trying to <laughs> I was trying to do a little bit of a stunt, you know, like like while you're juggling, I'll do the worm underneath. Ah, yes. Some cool flips and stunts, and then you did drop you did drop the soup. Yeah, it would have the been a great TikTok post. It would have been great. The soup did hit me. Um, our mom did freak out. <laughs> yeah. And we rushed to the hospital. Yeah, I, I did get stitches. You were terrified because when they said that I had to get stitches, you thought it meant they had to stitch my eyes closed. Oh yeah, uh, I had some. I had some horrific, like Hellraiser level, like imagery yeah. of you're gonna come out of this. Yeah, with like without a face. Yeah, just like some <laughs> horror show, giant like twine. Right. Stitching your uh, entire 
Yeah, eyes. Yeah, and I would just like, and then you'd wake up in the middle of the night with me, like at the foot of your bed, going, "You did this." (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I had a wild imagination as a kid. Well, fortunately, we're not baby eagles, which is my segue into the next section because baby, baby raptors like bald eagles will often try to kill each other. By the age-old tactic of defenestration. Oh, yeah. So what's interesting is that with the baby sharks, it's basically like food competition, right? There's like not enough food to go around. They have to enter into the womb, Thunderdome, 12 enter, only one or two come out. For baby eagles and other raptors, it's not necessarily in response to food shortage, but due to population density and the favorability of competitive chicks. And this Hmm. is called Cainism. Cain and Abel, that old old fun folktale. And so often what happens with bald eagle babies is there will be two eggs and two chicks, and mysteriously only one chick ends up making it to adulthood. And there was... (laughs) This was actually caught on camera once. There was a popular webcam that was, like, set up to show, like, baby bald eagle chicks. And it's like, oh, look how cute they are. Because when you look, they are adorable. They're, like, these little fluffy poof balls. Uh, I should have a picture of that for you to look at. They just look Yeah, absolute... I'm looking at these little mischievous little balls of fluff. poof balls. One yeah. of them's most likely one of them's going to murder the other. So Yeah, you can kind of, if you look deep into their eyes, I think you can kind yeah. of see... Yeah. See the, the the planning. The which scheming. one's gonna which one's the, the murderer? <laughs> <laughs> the quote from this live science article about this uh bald eagle chick webcam is that quote although three chicks hatched, regular viewers noticed one day that a chick was missing and never returned. Uh the article is titled Quote, eagle chicks allegedly kill siblings on webcam, which I like. I'm glad that they're presuming innocence in that case. That's just like journalistic uh, integrity right there. In raptors and and also in other animals, there's actually two types of canism, the the killing of siblings. So there is obligate canism, meaning that one sibling almost inevitably kills the other. And what's interesting about this is this is usually in larger, longer living species like bald eagles. Uh, They will lay only two eggs. uh, And basically one of the eggs is just insurance uh, against infertility in one egg or the early death of one sibling. And the problem with trying to raise two of these to adulthood, first of all, is competition as adults you know you you can't really ensure that they will be able to be competitive as adults with um the amount of resources they need as these huge birds so the better gamble is actually to only raise one offspring give it all of your resources and have that one grow up to be big and strong and the uh just like this absolute unit of a baby (laughs) eagle growing to adulthood because if you try to strain your resources and have two grow to adulthood and they're also going to be competing for resources into adulthood the chance that both will fail is more than they will both succeed and is less than if you had just like invested everything into one chick so they will both basically both chicks are going to try to oust the other and 
Right. Well, this is kind of interesting, though, because it, it does show a little bit of how evolution can be somewhat absurd, right? Which is, yes. why not just have one chick at a time, right? Like, well, again, that's it's thought that having two chicks is insurance. Like, if one of you spend all these resources mating and laying eggs, finding a partner, and then you lay your eggs. If the one egg you lay is not fertile and you have to invest again mm -hmm. into mating and laying more eggs, you're basically ensuring, first of all, that at least one of the eggs will hatch. And then if right. they both hatch, if one of them dies early on, then you have a backup. So That's true. So it would be interesting, like, what the statistics on the odds of dying before the chicks are, guess, I guess, like programmed to murder the other one. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's actually really interesting. And I wonder, yeah. you know, I wonder too, like if, the, if that strategy is generally successful among, I would assume birds may be higher up on the food chain. Well, so, okay, well, I guess the question though is, do the parents of the birds, like the mothers murder their own babies to accomplish the same thing? Or is it just... The, the siblings that murder each other. It's in bald eagles, I think generally it is the siblings that murder each other. There are certainly cases in animals where the parents will kill their offspring basically to give themselves resources uh, and to ensure that they're right. not spreading all their resources too thin. And so they are ensuring the best survival for both themselves and the offspring that are stronger. And there's a lot of cases where it's just basically a free for all, like they give birth mm -hmm. to a bunch of offspring and then and then murder a then bunch snack of the on offspring. Them later, right, know, exactly. For... Because they have so many like this happens in frogs a lot. <laughs> they just have so many. You can have a few as a snack, it's okay. Right. For for bald eagles, it's interesting because I think the reason that the the parents don't generally facilitate the the fratricide, the siblicide, is that it also is a similar concept as with the with the sharks, where you are making sure that the by having the siblings fight it out, the stronger one will emerge victorious. Oh, oh and interesting. So well, or even if it isn't strength dependent because a, a sneaky little nudge may not necessarily right. indicate intelligence, strength. Or likelihood to pass it on. So that's mm -hmm. actually that's actually really interesting because it could simply be that when it's the sibling that does it, mm -hmm. by its own nature, that sibling is that does the murder is more likely to then pass it on. Right. That's so it's true. I mean, that is sort of the the essence of of uh, evolution where. Gene, genes don't have an overall plan. It's just, it's just either they get passed on that, or, yeah. or not. No, that's really interesting. I hadn't ever really thought about that. That's There's also a facultative canism. So right. that's when fighting occurs between siblings that sometimes results in murder, but not by necessity. So this happens uh, in a lot bones. of... <laughs> this happens in a lot of birds. Uh, even in raptor species, generally, these are shorter-lived birds with larger clutches, so more eggs laid. Right. And then basically, it's it, they can fight. Sometimes they even kill each other, but they don't have to. And that it, it's it's interesting because, like, with the larger, uh, smaller populations of birds, it's kind of more of a 
risky investment thing because you're investing a lot of your resources into one offspring to really succeed. And so the fact that you're the best gambles for them to like, okay, I got to shove this sibling out. So I'm the only one getting all the resources. And then I'm going to live a long and prosperous life, hopefully, because I'm gigantic and uh, basically, you know, I'm a living dinosaur. I'm here to wreck, ruin your lives. <laughs> but with smaller birds, it's like, okay, we're diversifying our investment because we're smaller. We're, you know, once, like, once you reach adulthood, you're not really necessarily an apex predator like a bald eagle is. So if you're an apex predator, if you're once you reach adulthood, you're basically good as long as you can find food. Uh, and so, again, it's like by having this canism, you're eliminating competition. You're investing all of that into getting that chick to adulthood. And by having not by only having one offspring, you're limiting the population. So there's not as much competition for resources because you're so huge and you need lots of lots of things, lots of little tiny mammals to get in your mouth and lizards and fish and all sorts of things. There's this video of a bald eagle who caught a fish and is just like trying to pull it out of the water, but is flopping swim with this fish. And it looks very embarrassed to have been caught so undignified. Oh, right now, somebody's filming me at this moment of all moments. <laughs> the other day, I had the greatest kill. No, no photographers then. Right. Well, one more story about uh, siblicide, and then we'll move on. I see you've I been thinking not, a lot about this. I'm, I'm not. This is not. I don't want you to feel like this is like a subliminal messaging or anything, or or indicative of any problem. Yeah, just the Freudian, us. like, oh, you know, we're just it's just a podcast episode, just no big pod deal, and we're gonna really take a deep yeah. dive. Hello, brother. Would you like to join me on my podcast about siblicide? I have only the bestest of intentions, dear brother. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, you could ham it up and get, get real dark. <laughs> what we do on the podcast, get real dark. So, um, oh yeah, cannibal morph babies. That sounds like a cool, like a fun, like TV show. You know, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like salamander cannibal morph babies. Morph. Yeah, uh-huh. Yes. Wait, let's think of a Strong. jingle like sa Salamander Cannibal Morph Babies <laughs> Here to eat their bros. Yeah, there you go. I think that's yeah. good. So salamanders and newts and also axolotls all have a amphibious larval stage. And what's interesting, so quick thing, axolotls are just like salamander and newt young, except they just never grow out of it. They they are always in that aquatic juvenile stage. They never reach their terrestrial stage. That's a whole interesting topic. I think we've covered before, but yeah, just a quick reminder, axolotls, permanent Peter Pan versions of salamander <laughs> and newt. Yeah, the, the Silicon Valley uh, animal. Just... Yeah, the 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 Zuckerbergs <laughs> of the uh, the salamander and newt world. This thing I'm going to talk about the cannibal morph babies happens in baby newts, baby salamanders, and young axolotls as well. And they all have this. I mean, if you've seen an axolotl, you know what a young salamander or newt 
looks like in their aquatic stage. It's sort of similar to how frogs have tadpoles, right. and those are their aquatic stage. Salamanders and newts have a, an aquatic larval stage where they have these like weird branching lungs that kind of look like th that come out of their gill slits. They're these feathery gills, and they swim around in the water. And they are very cute, but a little less cute is the fact that there will be there's like a screaming kid out there. Can you guys hear that? It's be, it'll be flavor. It'll be like NPR-esque flavor where it's like, <laughs> you know, sound effects with like, and the children eat each other. <laughs> Anyways, what was I saying? Oh, but the insidious thing about these little cute stitch-like aquatic creatures is that they have a cannibal morph, a cannibal babies. So... Cannibal morphs are a version of these babies that have enlarged teeth, wide heads and mouths, slender bodies, and they will eat their brethren and sistren. Sistren is not a word, but you know, they eat Should they be. eat their siblings. They eat other baby <laughs> salamanders, other baby newts. I mean, it would be like if human babies, like you have your normal squishy little human baby, but then a baby born with just a giant mouth and sharp teeth and it eats other babies. Well, so do they, they develop into that, though? It's not like just some of them do. They all go through the stage? or do No, only, so, some? only some of them do. Oh, weird. And it's due to environmental triggers. So right. when there is uh, starvation or crowded environments, there seems to be some like environmental stress hormone that triggers this growth in certain salamanders, uh, certain of certain juvenile salamanders, newts, and axolotls. Um, and th but there's a more recent study that found that there being maybe more environmental factors at play because some populations ended up having all cannibals. <laughs> it's a little bit mysterious, like what exact what is happening in the water that turns all the babies into cannibals. Interesting. It's like there's some evil cabal of adult axolotls that are planning the purge and depending <laughs> on what they want you know it's like this year we're doing right. a full purge this year it's all it's gonna be a, oops all cannibals <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> and when one cannibal morph happens more are likely to follow which makes a lot of sense because like once one of you decides to be a cannibal it's like okay well i guess i better start eating other people too otherwise i'm gonna be yeah, eaten. Well, you know, if it's going to be that way, they're going to yeah. play it like that then. Yeah, it's just like, we're all going to be Pac-Man now. That'd be a crazy game. Everyone's Pac-Man, you know? It's got to it's gotta be out there. It's got to be. There's got to be a Pac-Man melee. Yeah. The, 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 all the, it seems like the games that are generating all the memes these days is uh, mm. Among oh, Us. Oh, Fall Guys. Among Us and Fall Guys, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Those yeah, are... Among. I've heard of Among Us. Yeah, Fall Guys I tried. Fall Guys... I do like the evolutionary biology <laughs> angle of Fall Guys, where it's just absolute chaos. Every all these little floppy things yeah, struggling little, to get. You're, to the you're end. a little spermatozoa trying to make its way to the exactly. The egg. It's it's really just a fertilization simulator. It uh, always comes sure. back to that, doesn't it? Yeah, it really. That's what it is. You're just trying to make your mm -hmm. way to the. The yeah. light at the end of the tunnel there. And then there's always these giant swinging hammers that try to stop you just yeah, like I'm in nature. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's anatomically correct. <laughs> the, the big 
<laughs> it's a big gross. obstacle course. It's gross, dude. <laughs> <laughs> While it's not true that human fetuses eat each other in vitro, that doesn't mean there isn't, at times, pretty unusual situations when it comes to twins. Identical twins, monozygotic twins, occur when a fertilized egg splits in two and each half develops a fetus. That's an unusual occurrence itself, but sometimes the egg does not fully split. A partial duplication of the zygote can result in a parasitic twin, an underdeveloped twin that lives off the fully developed twin. The parasitic twin usually does not have a brain or many functional organs. They can range from being merely a mass of cells to entire legs, torsos, and in very rare cases, parts of a human head, attached and fully dependent on the dominant twin. This is truly a one in a million occurrence and can also mean a very risky medical procedure to save the life of the dominant twin, especially as it's so rare that insight into best surgical techniques is limited. We're going to take a quick break and return on a happier note. Siblings getting along with conga lines and olfactory family fun. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Aaron and I get along pretty well, but it's not like we didn't have our arguments as kids. And this is fairly common among siblings. According to a University of Toronto study, siblings at around two to four years old have a fight every 10 minutes. 
So maybe to teach our kids to get along, they'll need to learn a lesson from, well, frogs? So now that we've gotten the sticky topic of siblicide out of the way, you know, we've got, it's it's always good to kind of like get, get out that like, oh, you know, like I want to murder you, blah, 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 that stuff that's always just beneath the surface of siblings. <laughs> buried, buried and bottled up. Yeah, very exactly. skin deep. Yeah. Uh, now I want to talk about siblings that get along. I think it's interesting because, there, I mean, there are obviously lots of animals where siblings get along. Like in orcas, siblings form these bonds and they hunt together. And cheetahs, whole bands of brothers will go out into the world and hunt together. And, and lions, sisters stay together basically their whole lives and uh, form these prides and it's so you know i think although there's obviously times when siblings compete sometimes they work together but i think we sometimes think about like oh it's these it's sort of these more intelligent like emotional animals that would ever develop a bond with a sibling right because you think about like even with lions like you know they like like to nuzzle each other sure they're bloodthirsty but they they have emotions, right? They they can feel affection for each other. When you look at a frog, you're like, this frog doesn't have anything going on. It's not gonna like recognize a brother or a sister and get along and like you know have little like froggy tea parties, sitting on toadstools and catching up and sipping tea out of like acorn cups. But you'd be wrong to think that because it's not true. Well, they don't they don't have little tea parties, but. Not that you know of. Not that you know of. You're just not invited to them, I'm sorry to say. But cascade frogs are these normal-looking frogs with brown skin. They're found in the Pacific Northwest. They're, they're just like your typical little frog, little froggy. Mm-hmm. And they have been studied and found to recognize siblings and show a preference for spending time with their siblings, regardless of which tadpoles they've been raised with. So they have some kind of sibling sonar where they can sniff out their blood relatives. And when mm -hmm. they meet up with their blood relatives, they like to they show a preference for them. They like to hang out in a non-competitive way. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, because it, like it's interesting. I don't know if they've found like what they're smelling, like what that sibling signifier is but it is really interesting that they do have some kind of way to detect so they actually siblings. don't know how they detect it yet it's it's a no un yeah unknown we've just observed it that's that's interesting yeah um which like makes me wonder like because sometimes you hear about these stories of of twins and like uh, they've been separated at birth and then they get back together and they find they have all this stuff in common. Like they're very similar. Their habits are very similar. Uh, it, it's really, uh, and then like there's also stuff about like twins having like very eerily similar emotional reactions to things. So it is, it is interesting that in nature there seems to be some kind of innate recognition for some animals where they can just like okay that's that's my that's my brother that's my sister i can chill out around them do we have any like do we have anything that we share <laughs> i've heard that we laugh similarly yeah i mean it's hard it's hard from when you're on the inside to right. observe yeah people say we 
all sorts of things that, I mean, people tell me, oh, it's it's really obvious that Katie's your sister. But yeah, it's hard for me to tell because it, it feels, you know, we I feel like a different person. But yeah, we, we have similar laughs, I guess. We look the same. I don't know. We uh, don't look anything. Are you kidding? You have a beard. Right. That That's <laughs> true. The beard is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true. No, but like we have similar expressions, which I think is interesting because we like there's some photos of us where apparently we're like reacting to the same thing. So we <laughs> have the same look of either horror or finding something funny or disgust or whatever. It's like the same expression, which I think is interesting because it's it makes me wonder like how much of that is just like because we're genetically very similar how much is of that is just like being raised together it's you know there i mean there's so much argument in psychology and evolutionary biology about the nature versus nurture thing right but yeah i mean you, who knows what the what the breakdown is there i mean i know i know in a lot of ways like i pick up Say like verbal things from you. I'm I'm pretty mm. sure I just pick them up. I think we pick things up from people we talk to a lot. I know I, I was always picking up picking up your Legos, <laughs> talking about picking stuff up from each other. You leaving your Legos all around. Yeah, I know. Gotcha. I I did that. That's true. Yeah. But I don't remember you picking up after me. So I, well, your Legos <laughs> though. <laughs> But yeah, I'm yeah. So I mean, the frogs. I mean, maybe that's just proof that all frogs are like psychic, and they're all like yeah, psychic frogs. I'm not surprised. Yeah, that's that. I think that's that's the scientific conclusion. There is right, right. They, they have. I have heard like people do say like, oh, I can feel like they they say they have like a psychic bond with their twin. I don't necessarily. Well, I don't want to be like a. a uh, stick in the mud, but I do think one thing that... Well, I is... will. I think it's hogwash. <laughs> but I, I think it is... I do wonder, though, like with twins, if you're that similar and you're raised together, so you're you're similar in so many ways that if you are presented with a similar environmental factor that you can maybe predict like how the other person's going to feel or react with very good accuracy because even like with you I feel like I can predict like how you're going to react to something um extremely accurately and like down to like exactly what you're going to say all yeah, the time. Yeah, that's and that's believable. That's I mean believable. I, I, yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. That makes sense. See, I knew what you're going to mm. <laughs> Very good. Well done. Well done. Um, I'll edit that in post to make it. Oh yeah, like line it. Yeah, line it up. Line it real, up. Or make yours just a little before mine, and then just a little before yours. Bing bang boom. Bing bang boom. <laughs> 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 so I do want you to click on a video I've provided for you. All right, uh, I'm clicking. It's... It is. It says um, an interesting Russian video of a giant caterpillar. What am I looking at? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> what was I don't I, okay I gotta watch it again I don't even know like so you, it's like a big one in the front and they're they're all like what are they is they like munching on each other's tails it's like, it's like a train of frogs <laughs> um, like, they don't look like frogs though 
so what you're actually looking at is a shrew conga line. Oh, they're Why are they called frogs? I don't know. Uh, the I don't know why that video. It's a Russian video, so probably. Oh, it's just under the frog. I just I just assumed because. Oh, you just assumed it was frogs. I was trying to trick you into thinking it was a giant caterpillar because it kind of looks like. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. But it it's crazy because it looks like there's like a big, I guess, mama shrew in the front. Mm -hmm. And then it's like they've each clamped, chomped onto the the one in front's tail, and they're all just mm -hmm. running in a line. Yeah. It's and it looks it looks like it, when you're looking at it from a distance, it just looks like one animal, like a giant caterpillar moving right, around. Right. Yeah. It looks like a yeah some kind of odd yeah snake with legs. So I will explain what's going on. First, I kind of want to talk about what shrews are, because some people don't necessarily know. Um, that sounded condescending. I'm going to retake that. Uh, first, <laughs> I'm going to talk about what shrews are. <laughs> no, leave it in. Be condescended to. Nobody knows shrews better than me. Oh, uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what a shrew is, Shrews are a family of little mouse-like mammals found all over the world. They are actually not rodents and not really closely related to mice, even though they look like mice. They are more closely related to moles and hedgehogs. And they do not have mouse-like teeth. Their teeth are little needle-like. A shrew bite is very unpleasant, especially because some shrews are venomous. And they have venom glands that can distribute the toxin down grooves in their sharp little teeth. So one of the few mammals who are venomous. And in fact, the American short-tailed shrew species have enough venom in their glands to kill 200 mice, which is an oddly specific fact I read on Wikipedia. And I don't know how they know that or why it is specifically 200 mice. Because that's how many that it it could kill. It's two hundred. Did they like divvy it up and feed it to like two hundred mice? Yeah, so mice? Uh, yeah, I'm assuming what they did was they put it in a dropper and then just murdered mice murdering until the mice. dropper ran out. And they were at like one hundred ninety nine. It's like, up, oh, we got we can use some more. And then they got to two hundred. It's like, all right. And then two hundred one, eh, not enough. That not wasn't enough. enough. There wasn't, wasn't enough, enough left, left to murder the two hundred first. We ran out. <laughs> mouse. I'm pretty sure that's how scientists do what they yeah, do. Yeah, they do it. Just... They measure uh, venom in mouse units just <laughs> by poisoning mice. <laughs> Yeah, this LD50 nonsense. It's it's how many mice? How many mice? 4,000 mice. It's it's called a DMQ, the dead mouse quotient. Yeah. Mhm. Mm DMML dead mice per milliliter. Um There a, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, dead yeah, mice D per millimeter. But however, while adult shrews are quite apt to defend themselves, baby shrews are just little defenseless beings who are born blind, squishy, and, you know, probably pretty snackable. So if the mother must abandon her nest due to disruption or danger or needing to find more resources, uh, if she just, like, 
leads them away, they will soon get lost because they're blind and clueless. So right. instead, she assembles her offspring into a train. So the mother leads, and each baby instinctively bites down on the tail of the shrew in front of it, forming shrew train. Chugga, 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 chugga. Shrew train. It's a shrew train. Shrew train. It's my new show called Shrew Train, where we all hop aboard the shrew train. It, would that Do be you... in, the, in the shrew crime category nice <laughs> yes welcome to shrew crime <laughs> an entire train of shrews murdered <laughs> so what i find really interesting about the shrew train is that they move with surprising ease it's like you look at it it there's something about the simple little program in each of these shrews that is like bite down on tail and follow immediately in front. That right. makes them very efficient. There's a second video you can look at uh, that shows and you know just like how agile they are. They can like turn on a pin and like move around like a snake. It's pretty incredible that you have so many individuals oh, these coming are, together. Yeah, these are bigger too. Oh, yeah. Wow, and it's it's crazy. It's I, that that's got to be. And it looks like their legs are almost in sync, but they may just all kind of run with the same cadence. But that that is incredible looking. Yeah, it looks like it looks like an a single org organism. Well, well, what's so okay, so there's something really unsettling about it, which is that most things that we at least that I've typically seen in nature that kind of are in that snake or caterpillar format or, or whatever are like smooth or shiny, you know, mm -hmm. but it's fuzzy. Yeah. So it's weird. It's weird <laughs> to look at this. Like, it's like, is it, imagine if snakes had fur, it's, it's unsettling and strange. I have some bad news for you about some caterpillars. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, I guess caterpillars They're... are, they, they are fuzzy. That's true. Yeah. But there are also ca giant caterpillar conga lines as well, uh, which we've Ooh. covered in another episode. And that's all. That's basically safety in numbers. They go uh, butt to head, butt to head to travel to other locations in order to remain safe and more intimidating because they have this er these urticating hairs on their backs. Like the, the fuzz is actually a defense mechanism. So if they form this giant line of caterpillars, like where their their squishy heads and squishy butts are protected by the person in front and or sorry person caterpillar in front and behind caterpillars them. Caterpillars are people too. Caterpillars are people too. But yeah, the conga line, a very efficient survival technique used by multiple animals. I don't think humans have a really good analog for uh, children. Although we we do have like leashes, I guess, for toddlers. <laughs> Mom put you on a leash when you were a toddler. What? I don't, she did. She never told you this. Lies. That's all lies. I'm sure she no, did. No, it's not lies. She did because it's not it's not a literal leash. It's like a little body harness with like a little sprungy. Yeah, uh, I kind of vaguely remember bungee. this. Yeah. And she did it once just to like, because it wasn't, it was to give you a little more freedom of exploration while still keeping tabs on you. And you're like to, uh, I don't remember this because I don't even think I was born yet, but 
Uh, she said you went to some store and immediately like went around one of those like like sunglasses, you know, those like rotating right. glasses uh, now I'm, holders. I'm, it's coming back. The, the, it, the store. I, I mean, I was too young to actually remember this, but now I remember. Right. It wasn't just so just so the listeners know. Um, our mom did not just keep this from me. And secretly told Katie about this. I should also say we don't keep Aaron in a basement. He's not like the Bart twin from The Simpsons. Um. Oh, God. (laughs) No, that's our other secret sibling that we don't talk about. Yeah, I thought we didn't talk about that one. We don't talk about that. I'll edit that out. But uh, uh, no, you, you immediately wrapped yourself around a display rack. And my mom was like, well... That probably isn't going to work, so <laughs> yeah. she took the leash off. Yeah, just, I could just imagine. Just, you know, I, you know my imagination is kind of like one of the Fall Guys little jelly bean men, just yeah. kind of stumbling around and yeah. causing chaos. Flopping around. Yes. Researchers are fascinated by twins due to how they're as close as we can currently get to studying human clones. And looking at how twins behave is one way to study nature versus nurture, to see how your genes and your environment interact to create, well, you. Psychologist Thomas Bouchard did a study in 1981 comparing twins who had been separated at birth, raised by different families, and then were reunited later. In some cases, they had startling similarities, like a pair of twins who had the same hobbies, both married and divorced women named Linda, and remarried women named Betty. Aside from this eerily coincidental case, most twins in his study had much more significant differences. Something Bouchard concluded was evidence that twins are not carbon copies and become unique individuals throughout their lives. Which is probably not news to all the twins out there listening to this now, but hey, at least you got science on your side. When we return, we're going to talk about siblings who join forces to destroy. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to 
stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. It's not unusual for siblings to team up to achieve greatness. There's the Wright brothers, the Bronte sisters, Venus and Serena Williams, and the uh, Kardashians. Anyways, when siblings join forces in nature, sometimes the result is mind-blowing, impressive, and abjectly horrifying. You know, like the Kardashians. So we've talked about siblings who do not get along. We've talked about siblings who do get along. Now I want to talk about siblings who team up to destroy the world around them. I feel like it's inspirational, you know? Yeah. Just... Just siblings forming an army that eats and fights its way through the world. Uh, it's, I mean, like a lot of the things like we think of as like hives um, and colonies, like ant colonies, beehives, termite colonies. Those are all siblings. Those are most of the ones you will see will be sisters because all of the workers are sisters. They're right. highly related to each other. Um, their brothers are just being lazy and staying inside all day and, and yeah. eating. <laughs> yeah, just like, uh, you know. Just like our dynamic, exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I do want to talk about other groups of siblings that team up to form a giant army uh, to dominate. Uh, and first, I want to talk about millipede balls. That sounded wrong, but I mean, I mean, big clusters of millipedes. So, <laughs> many species of millipedes have very close sibling bonds. Again, we think about sibling bonds that are loving to be exclusive to like uh, fuzzy, charismatic mammals. Like even shrews. Like those are cute. They're like right, they look yeah. like you know cute. Like yeah, they could nuzzle each other. They you know chew on each other's butts to stay safe. That's pretty cute. Insects can team up too. In insects, arthropods, they can form sibling bonds as well. And millipedes, which are you know those mini-legged, very creepy, crawly little arthropods, have very close sibling bonds, and they will form as young millipedes. They will form huge clusters of writhing millipedes who roll around in search of food. If you click on that link. Right here um, under um, millipedes ball, you can see a video I'm of that. Looking... Oh, wow, that's a that's a lot. They're, they mm -hmm. look tiny though. They are because they're little babies. It's a big ball of baby millipedes. That is, a, that is it looks you know they're kind of pink and mm -hmm. fleshy. It's it's it it is uh yeah that's pretty neat. Big old ball of ba bouncing baby millipedes. Yeah, they're that's pretty cool actually. Yeah. 
And they form this cluster that's so dense, even like a single ant can't work its way through it. And so they, out of many, they become one sort of mega cluster of millipedes that is safe from predators. And they will, so millipedes feed on organic matter found in soil. So in order to find patches of nutrient-rich soil, they will travel in this giant ball of millipedes and uh, just kind of cluster around a patch of soil and get their food and moved on. And if you like force them to disperse, like try to stomp on the ball and they all have to scatter, mm -hmm. they'll all run into one direction and then reform the ball relatively quick quickly. Whoa. It's uh, very like very sci-fi to me. Yeah, this, it does. This... It looks like some kind of, yeah, sci-fi, Hive cluster mind, organism, cyborg. yeah, right. cluster like a nanite cluster that In forms. Fact, it, like... Yeah, it looks like a lot of the yeah, pretty popular. Like like there's kind of that that slithery snake clusters like in the, in the Matrix series. It, I, right. I, I wonder if I wonder how many people have seen this stuff. This is uh, it's pretty cool looking. It is cool looking, and it's also heartwarming because these are all these are all siblings coming together. To... Yeah, for Thanksgiving. Exactly. Another heartwarming story of arthropods who come together are black lace weaver spiders are a spider found in Europe, North America, and New Zealand, although they are invasive species in New Zealand. They're about 16 millimeters long, so about 0.6 inches. They're, they're pretty meaty. They're like a spider that you'd see and go like, oh yeah, that's a, there's a spider right there, you know? You know, okay, you don't yeah. you don't want that thing in your eyeball. That's how I measure spiders by like how bad it would be for it to be in your eyeball. Well, but see, but then you get once you get past a certain size, though, then mm, they can't. That's fit. true. The, then, then they can't get in, in the eyeball. The eyeball. No, so, that's true. That's true. I don't know, I don't know like, about your your. Scale well, but that doesn't. Maybe I actually like the the bigger yeah, yeah, spiders who am I to because. Say? You know, right, what? exactly, because they are more, you know, they're more cuddly. I can fit a big enough spider and a baby Bjorn and carry it around. <laughs> so um, the baby spiders will eat their own mother and then dance together in synchrony. And this sounds horrible, but it's actually heartwarming and sweet. So the black lace weaver female will have over a hundred young. And the mother will lay trophic eggs, which are unfertilized eggs, for her babies to eat. Uh, and so she is giving as much of her resources as she can because she is mm -hmm. not going to survive to mate again. And once they have eaten the trophic eggs, uh, she wants to provide them with one last uh, meal and she will guide her babies under her body and offer herself as food. So she'll actually lay on top of them and just like stay still for them to eat her because like she has created a huge amount of offspring and her best bet for having them pass on her genes is to give them the best start in life and that means cannibalism. <laughs> so the babies will eat her. Um, there's actually a lovely video if you want to see that. It's just, uh, it's actually not that gruesome. It doesn't look like much, but uh, just know that they are sucking out all her juices. 
Wait, um, so I, I see this this I'm clicking on a video now here. Yeah, it's just like it's a bunch of little tiny cute little tiny spiders crawling all over all over mom, but they are sucking out all all of her juices. But that's how she likes it. She's like, "I'll be your juice box, babies." Yeah. What a good what a good mother. <laughs> I mean, it's um, it's yeah, I mean, you know, spiders are pretty metal when you think about it. It's I mean, pretty metal and I think it's a females it's a, eating the males and I right. didn't know that the babies ate the females, but I mean I shouldn't right. be surprised considering Well it's yeah, and it's not just that the babies eat the females. The 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 mothers actively encourage the babies to eat her. Oh this yeah. Is what they want. It's just a ritual sacrifice. Right. right. Yeah. You on know the, on the on the blood altar of, yeah, of reproduction. Exactly. That's very metal. I, I like that. That's they really, nice. they they really got like their mother's eyes and their mother's legs <laughs> and their mother's everything. <laughs> <laughs> and what's interesting is this sacrifice on part of the mother uh, sets them up not only in terms of giving them a lot of nutrition, but it also encourages them to work together as siblings because they have all of this nutrition from the get go they're less likely to need to compete with each other. So they will form social groups that hunt together for about four weeks before finally dispersing. That's crazy. To go off and mate. So they will, it's like, hey, thanks mom for letting us use you as a juice box. Like we're all pretty oh, well yeah, fed. So we can hunt together and like work together. You know, they're not suffering such scarcity that they need to fight each other or try to eat each other like the other siblings we've talked about earlier in the episode. Right. And that whole ritual dance that they do together where they seem to do this techno dance all in unison, that is a way for them to collectively ward off predators by making this larger vibration by all of them like right. dancing like going unts, 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 yeah. unts, all mm -hmm. together that they seem like a much bigger animal by creating this like large vibration right this is this is neat they're tiny they're little yeah they're little, little see-through little, right. little babies they're cute they are pretty cute so the last animal i want to talk about and uh i'll issue a warning now this is maybe the grossest story today. So if you're eating something like, you know, especially something like a, a spring roll or a burrito or, you know, you might want to just hold off on a bit. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about Copidosoma floridanum wasps. So these are teeny tiny unassuming wasps that look like a tiny housefly. Uh, but they are not flies, they are wasps. They're found all over the world. They are so tiny, they're about the size of the ball in a ballpoint pen. And the um, female wasps, oh man, wasps are like the weirdest freaks in nature they're always pulling such like bizarre crap on other animals especially when it comes to their offspring like parasitoid wasps are a trip and we've talked about them before but i don't think we've talked about this one yet so the female will lay a couple of eggs inside of a caterpillar egg okay so far pretty standard parasite things, like not that much worse than a cuckoo bird or something. Mm -hmm. When the caterpillar hatches, the wasp eggs begin to multiply into a cluster of eggs inside of the caterpillar. 
Each egg contains 2,000 wasp embryos, which are about a fifth of an inch long. So, <laughs> according oh, to Dr. Mike Strand of the University of Georgia, quote, the caterpillar is about two to three inches long, so you can stuff a lot of wasps in there. <laughs> I, I did. I'm cheating. I'm looking ahead. I've, I've looked at the photo. Yeah, here. no, no, you're not cheating. That's that's appropriate. This, this yeah, is, you can look. It it is. Um, it it has a kind of a sausage like vibe, yeah. but you know, it looks to me kind of like a spring roll with a bunch of like rice in it. Yeah, um, you know, um, kind of more writhing though than any right. of those. Uh, and, but also each of those like grains of rice is like an egg, but each of those eggs contains like thousands of embryos. Well, so, so. so I, yeah, I guess I'm not I'm not uh, up on, you know, how biology works, but I'm surprised to hear that what we would consider individual eggs can have multiple embryos in them. That's Well, it's an egg. I guess more accurately, you would call it an egg sac. Ah, so, so these are each. Yeah. So it is a cluster of egg sacs. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so it, already we're getting into sort of body horror territory. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, this is brutal. This is like, like that... this, this thing that looks like a sauce, a transparent sausage casing filled with rice. Again, I'm so sorry if you're eating. This is a caterpillar. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, possibly still alive. I'm not sure at this stage. Eventually I mean, it they can't do die. Be alive, right. It will. So the picture it we're depends. looking at, it's like, it's as if there's just this thin sausage casing right. around a sol. It's just packed with right. eggs. Like I, I can't imagine yeah. that there is enough internal or like, like yeah, organs this in one this might, thing. This one might could be. Dead. It's gotta be dead. It's gotta be <laughs> but dead. But there are surprise. Like there of are course, times when it is surprising exactly. it, it how had to long go. parasites can get in there and how many can be in with the poor hosts. Still right. being it, alive. It, it was alive at some it. point. Yeah, this this yeah. is insane. No, but it could. I'm what I'm saying is like often it takes a while. Like there's still enough organs and juices for them to survive this. Oh God. Yeah. Uh huh. Amount of parasites inside them. There are other types of parasites that will parasitize uh, caterpillars and emerge from the live caterpillar. But so many of them come out. But in this case, uh, they do generally consume the whole caterpillar until it finally mercifully dies. Um, but here's the thing. One caterpillar, like, like uh, <laughs> Dr. Mike Strand says, you can fit a whole lot of wasps inside this caterpillar. Because remember, these are tiny wasps about right. the size of a ballpoint pen. And these are the larvae. So multiple wasp mothers, unrelated wasps, will lay their eggs in a single caterpillar. So this becomes a living nursery for many different wasps. Oh. But wasps don't necessarily, these are not really social animals. They are not necessarily going to work together with unrelated wasps. There's no evolutionary advantage to that for them. Mm. So... They will battle it out inside the caterpillar. We again, we have a parasite Thunderdome. Right, but do the but do the siblings team up? Is it is it like a team fight? Ah, did... this is very interesting because so you have different morphs of larvae, and this is where it gets 
confusing and complicating and fascinating. So most of the larvae are blood suckers. They will suck up the caterpillar's blood until they pupate into adults. Simple. You get it. Some of them are not blood suckers. They're soldiers. They do not consume the caterpillar. All they do is attack other wasp larvae. They have slender bodies and scraping jaws that are designed purely as weapons, not for feeding. And they never reach maturity. The whole reason that they develop is to protect their siblings. And they will attack unrelated siblings. And they won't so attack their own siblings. They will not attack their own siblings. How, how do they know? Specifically, they... again, like we talked about with the frogs, they may it may be smell, it may be some kind of chemical so, like, we don't, that we they're don't detecting. Know. Yeah, it may be some kind of pheromone thing. Yeah, the but... assumption is it's a it's a pheromone or chemical that they're detecting. I don't think they've identified what that is, but right. it's a pretty safe bet that or, uh, or, or psychic powers. I mean, or psychic you powers. Can't rule of course, that out, we got right? psychic. That's... Psychic frogs, psychic wasps, you know. <laughs> What's really interesting is that these soldiers are female always, and they will never attack their sisters. And they are like bee colonies and ant colonies, like we've talked about before. They're very, very, like, they're genetically identical to their mm -hmm. female siblings. They're like twins, essentially. They are not genetically identical to their male siblings. Uh, so they will actually attack their male siblings, but they will not attack their <laughs> sisters. The female soldiers will die. They do not go on to reproduce. They basically go down with the ship. The ship, in this case, is the caterpillar that eventually right. gets mm -hmm. all of its juices sucked away. And then the sisters that they've died defending from unrelated uh, larvae will grow on, go on to grow up and pupate into adults and leave the caterpillars, whereas the soldiers just die off. Um, right. Do the, but do, the, do the male siblings have a warrior morph no. phase? No, they just kind of, you know. They just kind of take it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, uh, one male can probably uh, fertilize a bunch of females, but females have to invest a lot into right. creating eggs, so you don't need as many males, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, making any political message here, <laughs> but I'm just simply saying you don't need as many males. Um, and again, they kind of, this, the whole way that they're more related to their sisters than they are to their brothers is the whole haploid diploid thing that happens with uh, insects such as ants and bees where you um, have uh, unfertilized haploid eggs producing males and fertilized diploid eggs producing females. So, you know, a little bit of genetic shenanigans there. And remember when I said earlier, she lays a couple of eggs and they start to uh, multiply? Right. That is clonal multiplication. So these sisters are literally clones of each other. Um, and so that is why it makes sense for some of the clones. And I'm assuming that the soldier morphs is more or less random. You're basically defending your own clone. And the, the genes that right. will, again, in the future, it's like you're passing on your genes, essentially, by defending your clone. And your clone will have genes 
where their offspring also have a random chance. Some of them become soldiers. Some of them become, um, you know, the bloodsuckers that will go on to reproduce. So you're, you're ba it's basically, you know, uh, war of the war of the clone clone wasps. Right. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I I didn't realize that life at I guess that makes sense. I don't know why I wouldn't have thought that that was something that happened, but that like full full on eggs or egg sacs even because it looks like is it the the whole egg sac splits or do individual eggs within the sac split? Wait, yeah, it has to I don't know. I'm it's, not a biologist. Within, I think it's I think it's uh it's basically within the egg sacs, the individual eggs are, multiply. Are, are split, yeah, are multiplying. And then, and then they hatch into larvae, and then those larvae uh, go on to roil around in the caterpillar and fight each other. Actually, you know, this picture of the caterpillar that looks like it's like a rice dumpling, uh, those might be larvae rather than eggs. Right. Sacs. Okay, yeah, that, that might make, that might be... God, it really does look sort of like food, but yeah, kind of like a rice way. snack, like a yeah, yeah, it's yeah a, like you know you get those like the rice snacks. It's like or like sesame seed sticks. You sure, know what I mean? yeah, mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, if it wasn't for that caterpillar skull, right, and like the the uh, sort of constant roiling motion, I'm imagining. <laughs> The larvae fighting each other. That's true, yeah. But, uh, you know, if we were wasp larva, uh, I would still defend you even though you're my brother. That's good to know. I'm yeah. glad to hear it. <laughs> and I wouldn't well, be able to defend you because I'm just, I'm a sitting duck. Yeah, just, essentially, uh, unfortunately. Those are the cards nature gave me. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like insects really understand feminism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'd go coo sixty nine comments uh, on the on the podcast. Like, I like this podcast until the host got all political. <laughs> <laughs> well. Listen, that's that's all the sibling animals I have to talk about today. I hope that this has helped strengthen our sibling bond to talk about, you know, all the the mayhem and distractions from siblicide to ritualized sibling collaboration to destroy caterpillars from the inside out. You know? <laughs> yeah, it really it really makes you think. It really makes you think. Well, it does. Like, you know, aliens looking at, at, at human sibling right. relationship, they're probably thinking, that's that's very strange. Why yeah. would he drop a can of beans on her <laughs> head? <laughs> Surely this is a form of sibling competition. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, he hope, tries to gather aliens. resources by using his sister's head as a can opener. <laughs> <laughs> the primary food source for humans appears to be what is called cans of beans. They are made out of beans. <laughs> we must study these beans and their cans. <laughs> Normally, this is um where I would ask you to plug stuff, but you're you're just my brother you're doing i don't know like 
engineering at Stanford or something stupid, but like, uh, so instead of asking you to plug anything, um, do you have any grievances to air publicly? Public grievance airing? No, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I like that. I like that as your nickname, though. Like public grievance airing, Aaron. Ah, yes. Okay, I need to. I need. I need to start an online presence and yeah. Any conflicts to resolve from our childhood? Now's uh, your chance. Yeah, you know, um, I feel like I probably was the cause of more trouble than you were when we were kids. There's one thing I always <laughs> felt a little bad about, uh, which was this one time we were pretty young. And I thought it would be real funny to uh, sneak into your bed. Yes. And wait, just Everyone lie is. under the covers, just <laughs> perfectly still until you, you know, haplessly stumble into your room, at which point and I erupt, erupt from off. the sheets and say boo, which I thought was pretty funny at the time. But I'm pretty, pretty good prank. I may have given you a traumatized small me. heart attack. Yeah. I felt, actually... I felt bad. I, I, that's that's <laughs> one, you know, one of the things, you know, you do when you're like five yeah. right. or six or however old and you just. Or, or you know, 23, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've told this story. I think I told this story on the podcast about no. how you did, <laughs> did this. To, like you were and like you're not giving yourself enough credit for the ingenuity of the prank because you were lying. You got under the covers and you like slowly rose up like a zombie and was and like you either said boo or you're like woo <laughs> well i thought i mean i could be remembering it differently but i thought that i i yeah i just said boo like i wasn't really going for like maybe time slowed down for me because i was so scared i i suspect because <laughs> I thought, you know, at the time, I thought it was better natured than it was. Right. <laughs> Until I started to scream, demon, demon. Oh, I got, you know, I got in so much trouble for you that. You got that into was, a lot of trouble. I was, I got roasted. I guess my, I guess the opposite of a grievance. What's the opposite of a grievance? I guess like a um, contrition is I think that you would, you would get in trouble more than me. <laughs> for yes. things that we're sort of equally are yeah. doing. Yeah. Sort of like we would have be equal participants in a shenanigan, but I would emerge uh, innocent-eyed, clear-eyed, and you would have... The thing is, I think you didn't know how to hide your guilt <laughs> as much as me. Because yeah, that... I would... I mean, I think like it wasn't so much that I was hiding my guilt. It was more that I was very openly contrite like yes yeah i, I think it was i did more... a bad thing and you would like look at the ground and shuffle your feet. well i know i think part of it yeah i think your your response was you know to to show that you were sorry blah blah, blah. and i was like what what's wrong what's wrong with what i did it was pretty cool right like that was fun we're having fun here and right. i think that that having a uh being just constitutionally unable to recognize why what you're doing is annoying uh, will annoy a parent, I think, right. uh, understandably. So that, right. that may have been. 
uh, yeah. part of it. Do you think if we were eagles, which one of us would be defenestrated and which one would be the defenestratee? Interesting. The well, I would say that just uh, the, the diplomatic answer is that I would de defenestrate you because I'm older. So, mm -hmm. statistically speaking, I'd be more likely to get to the, ooh, it's time to defenestrate right. first. Right. Now, if we're going on personality, though, uh, probably you. I think you'd, <laughs> you'd off me. I'm pretty sure I'd... I'd... I, think it's the, I think it's the sneakiness. I think I'm sneakier <laughs> than you. <laughs> Possibly. I think I'd be like, I, I think I would be able to sort of redirect your attention more easily <laughs> than you would for me. I'd be like, what's that over there? I don't know what what would baby eagles be interested in? Is that a is that a fish or is that a dead squirrel? Yeah, I really don't know what uh, baby eagles. Um... Is that some mom vomit? Oh, is mom vomiting something up for oh, you over yeah. there? Oh yeah, yeah, it would be your your mom snack. Yeah, is look, it's some mom bomb mom, over there. Check out bomb. the mom bomb over there, Ooh, and then a fresh, I sneakily shove you over. A mom bomb. Heal you uh, over the edge and there. Then, mm -hmm, and I'm a goner. <laughs> my my uh, gullible. Yeah. My, my poor gullible bird self. Yeah. Well, <laughs> luckily we're humans. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. This was fun. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It was it was yeah. a blast. It's it's a little surreal having listened to the show as a right an observer, not entertainer, not comedian, no member of but, the of the public. Yeah, but you're part of the podcast family because we true. are a family here. And and that we do have the capacity to sniff out each other's pheromones. So there is that. That's true. That's I wouldn't it. call it pheromones though. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, gross, gross. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and for uh, for humoring me and us as we air out our sibling grievances publicly for the first time. If you're enjoying the show, first of all, tell your siblings about it. Be like, hey, there's this great episode about siblicide. No, I don't mean it that way. Why are you looking at me that way? And also, like, if you leave a rating and review, that actually really helps us out. Not only with the algorithm, it makes me feel good. I, my ego is insatiable. I am a, a, like a gaping void that requires more adulation constantly. It, it never ceases. My hunger for praise is unending. Thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Ex Illumina. Creature Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Just between you and me. Any old place you listen to your podcast, doesn't matter. I don't judge. See you next Wednesday. Yay! Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. 
If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.